What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of the Phoenix MMA podcast. Um, yeah, I got a cool uh, episode. I hope everybody enjoys it, and I hope you get something out of this one to, to all of our students. Um, this was a really good question uh, that one of our students asked uh, asked me yesterday. Um, so uh, if, uh, if he asked it, then I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about it. Um, and this is a uh, you know, pretty popular topic in jujitsu. There's a lot of memes on it and stuff. So, uh, and what it is, is, uh, my student yesterday, uh, it was John Kelly asked, um, how without pulling guard, what would be your strategy to beat, uh, a superior wrestler? So, um, say you never, you know, you never wrestled in high school, you never wrestled in college, or maybe you wrestled in high school, but you're going against a college wrestler, but we can just, this podcast will be, uh, going over how can you beat a college wrestler if you never wrestled, um, so you never wrestled, and then John, the reason why it was a really good question is John then said without pulling guard, okay, so pulling guard, that would be, um, I was going to try to touch on that, but once I started doing notes, I think I did, my notes are like five pages long, so it just, um, it just got, uh, I was like, I'm the podcast would be three hours long if I added a uh, pulling guard. So just uh, standing position. So standing position, somebody is a better wrestler than you. Uh, they have more wrestling experience. Let's say that you never wrestled in a high, middle school, high school, or college, and you, um, you want to be able to beat a high school wrestler or a college wrestler from standing position. Um, yeah, that's your goal is to be able to beat them. Okay, so um, really good question, uh, fun puzzle to solve. Um, and we, the good news is, uh, if that's one of your goals, um, that's what I'm going to lay out. I'm going to give you a blueprint on how to do that. I'm going to give you some action items, tactics, techniques, and uh, you know, ultimately, this is also this is how I build the the lesson plan at the gym. And uh, this is this is like the the thought. This is like the underwriting or the the theory behind when I create my lesson plans. Um, the lesson plans, you know, then you're just you're taking pieces and how can you connect the moves together. But this would be the actual like um, you know, re, uh, yeah, just the the underwriting or the the actual uh, purpose for what we're looking for. Um, uh, a lot of, uh, something John Donahue said in multiple interviews. And of course, Gordon Ryan's going to say, uh, the same thing, uh, that Donahue's saying, but that a lot of what jujitsu people do is they do their jujitsu and then they try to, uh, I believe Donahue says that, uh, what they try to do is they try to, um, basically fasten on wrestling techniques or like, like as if you're just going to fasten or screw on some, some wrestling techniques, um, or, uh, some judo techniques onto your, your chassis or like your vehicle or you like, you know, your strategy and his theory, uh, that I've heard him say in interviews is that, uh, jujitsu is a different sport than wrestling and it's a different sport than judo. For that reason, you need to, um, the jujitsu takedowns and standing jujitsu standing position is going to be different from, uh, here, one second. It's going to be, uh, one second. Let's see. Da, da, da. Okay, so I had to adjust the thermostat. It's a bit hot up here. So, um, 
Yeah, so with that being uh, said, a bad strategy, which is what, you know, a lot of, that's it, I did it before in the past, and uh, my coaches did it before in the past as well, is that we'd basically just try to, hey, we want to improve wrestling for jiu-jitsu or for MMA, so what we'll do is we'll just get a wrestler or a wrestling coach, and they'll teach you uh, wrestling, and then you're you're hoping that there's going to be a magical connection that's going to happen. Um uh, if you do folk style or Greco or straight judo, you're hoping that it, there will be a connection that you're hoping that really the, what, what they used to do, what the coaches used to do is they would just, you know, you would just work on your wrestling and just straight wrestling mode or judo, straight judo mode or Greco. Um, and then they would hope that you would be able to connect the dots. Basically, they wouldn't connect the dots for you. Um, you know, I think they weren't aware that they needed to connect the dots or they didn't know that they needed to connect the dots. So they just didn't even think that that deeply into it because it just the level of jujitsu and MMA innovation wasn't at that point yet. It was, you know, still stages behind. Uh, they can't work on a concept that's like 10 levels deep when they're still working on the level number, you know, three, four, five. Um, so for whatever reason, it just wasn't at that stage yet. Um, but this is, you know, in jujitsu, very similar and for MMA, very similar with, uh, jujitsu instructors. Uh, they had the same basically thought process with gi versus no gi. Um, so this is, uh, to lots of you, this is going to sound absolutely insane, but, um, it's going to sound absolutely insane, absolutely illogical, but this is a hundred percent true. I can show you the books. I can show you the interviews, the everything. And not only that it used to be scorned for it. If you disagreed with this, um, which it wasn't logical, but their strategy was, Hey, uh, train in the gi. And then as you get good at the gi, the gi will then make you better more technical at no gi and it'll get you more technical um with mma so again they were trying to do that same little leap of like leap of faith but not like you know not actually like engineering it uh or like connecting the dots for their students um they were just saying hey if you do gi it's going to make you like once once punches are involved i know you're used to grabbing that cross collar and sleeve I know you're used to that, but once the punches come in, then like, hey, it's going to be the same thing because, you know, it's the, is the same because the gi is more technical. It's like, why is the gi more technical? I don't know. That's what everybody says. Uh, the gi makes you more tight. Oh, why does it make you more tight? I don't know. That's just what everybody says. And you even asking the question of why does it, why is it more technical? Why is it more tight? That would get you scorned, like from the jiu-jitsu community. Um, you know, and then Eddie Bravo was, you know, he was the loudest person, like public person. But Eddie Bravo, it, 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 it really did take uh, Donaher, Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, Gary Tyson. It, uh, it took all of them. And the only way that, that the jiu-jitsu community, like, agreed that leg locks are viable and agreed that no gi is different from gi um, is just over time, like, after you start losing. Like, once you start losing, you don't want to keep losing. So you, you adapt. You know, you could, you could think that, um, you know, using uh, rifles is um, cowardly or whatever and, like, hey, I, we use swords and we use uh, bows. But, you know, when those rifles, when they start winning battle after battle, then all of a sudden you're like, hey, let's, uh, let's get some people that understand – uh, these rifles. So, um, you can only, you know, can only go like that for so long. Um, now some people will just like dive into an echo chamber and how they deal with it is they just, um, they do it with this too. How they deal with it is they just never, uh, will go start from standing position against a wrestler. They'll just only pull guard. And then another really common one in jujitsu, 
that's cute is uh, they'll just they'll uh, like say a college wrestler comes in and the the instructor would be a black belt um, or and then the students as well but they'll say hey like you uh hey oh man you want to train hey put a gi on and they'll like brainwash that college wrestler into telling them like hey you put a gi on and it'll make you really technical um, and it's like they're trying to make you play by their rules and it's a gi that you have no idea on you don't understand any of the grips or anything and they just increase the amount of attacks they have a lot uh, uh, by a ton because if they don't specialize in nogi all their grips all their offense and all their defense is based off of grabbing your the the fabric the cloth they're masters at fighting your attire or they're masters at fighting your clothing um and i'm not saying that gi is worthless or anything i'm not saying like look if you're in a street fight like there are certain grips that'd be really important like grabbing somebody's belt working security i've done that plenty of times belt is a great uh bait, great grip great con- control you also need to be you know be able to move around in like clothing you're not always going to be wearing uh short shorts and like a spandex shirt um but but the thing is that gi because we want to get um because we're just competitive the gi gets hyper hyper competitive because there's world titles and there's a lot of money on the line um so that's where you get to see the keenan cornelius like uh worm guard and you know people complain about worm guard but it's like this is just this is just what's going to happen it's just the natural evolution of if you if you can use the gi to do a cross collar choke, or you can use it as a bravo grip to control from side control, um, then you're okay as long as you're doing it. You know you're like, hey, I I get to mark what the goalpost is, but then you get upset when an innovator like Keenan comes in. He creates the worm guard where he lasses in between your legs, um, and then you're like, wait a second, like he he's using the gi too. Well, the way he's using the gi is not real. Like, but the way I'm using the gi is real, and it's like, yeah, you just you just got mad because somebody used the same things. Somebody got mad at you before because you're like, hey, this unrealistic, you know, in MMA or in um, like fight in a street fight, like I'm not using a from side control. I'm not passing a, a Bravo grip. Um, uh, lapel grip to control the person um, like that's not the most effective way to control somebody it's like also like what if they're not wearing a jacket saying you don't know how to pin them without that jacket um, but anyway so um, but uh, yeah it used to happen um, and uh, yeah but over time leg locks uh, and dogi both came into you know came into acceptance it's just time it just you know it's not bad to challenge new ideas it's actually really good you should challenge new ideas um but you know just as as they get proven then you don't want to be so hard-headed and not innovate and and not add new technology um to your to your training protocols and for your students because if not you're you're doing a disservice to them um but it's like i said it's cute or it's funny like the the jujitsu like each community you know if you're in deep in a community, whatever, it could be any type of community, but you can see like the little like logical fallacies, but yeah, they'll, it's a really common one is they'll just, you know, they'll just never, you know, if you're a college wrestler or high school wrestler, MMA fighter, it's like, you know, don't slam them on their head. That's going to cause an injury, but they, it's not even that you're going to slam them on their head. It's like, because you're doing no gi, because you won't put on the gi, it's like, they won't, they'll, they they won't spar with you. They won't roll with you. They won't do jiu-jitsu because you won't put on um, you know, like a medieval Japanese, uh, you know, daily attire. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, to me, I just, I want to be able to fight. 
I want to be able to fight if I got a gi on. I want to be able to fight if I don't got a gi on. I want to be able to fight if somebody throws a punch at me. I want to be able to fight if somebody draws a gun or a pistol or, uh, or draws a pistol or a knife. I want to know how to deal with all those situations. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And you got, um, you know, we got, uh, you know, we got, we got time. We don't, uh, you know, video games are fun and whatever. TV, Netflix is fun too, but, um, you know, to each their own, just whatever you find fun. Uh, but, um, so, uh, uh, current events first, what we got going on, uh, coming up, um, the, or the current events, like the last few weeks. And then at the end of the podcast, I'll do things that are coming up in the near future. Um, so last weekend, uh, the American Nationals, uh, American Nationals, uh, championship for the IBJJF, the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, um, that's the main federation for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the world. Um, Hunter, Gregor went, Hunter Gregory went and competed. That was last weekend in Vegas, um, uh, and he got second place. So he uh, got a silver medal at the American National Championships. Um, it's very difficult to do. Uh, it's good stuff. So uh, second place, he's a finalist at the, at the National Championships. Um, last year, uh, he got uh, third place, so he got, he got bronze. Um, the IBJJF, they're, you know, for whatever, I guess it's just for time, but they usually, so what they do is they, so what they do for, for bronze is instead of having a match for third or fourth, they just give a dual bronze. So you don't get to have, um, you know, you get to have your finals match, but, um, for third and fourth, they don't do a match. Um, maybe it's to help them with consolation brackets or, you know, just, I don't know, just to speed the tournaments along. Um, but yeah, so, uh, last, last year he got bronze, he got the, the, the third place. Um, uh, he did the absolute last year as well. Um, and, uh, and placed in that. And then this year he got second place. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Hunter Gregory. That was, uh, difficult to do. Obviously gold is the, the goal. The gold is uh, what's wanted, but you know, it's not always going to be gold. You got to, uh, before you can really like win those championship bouts, it's like, it's like you have to honestly, those matches, those tournaments, you, what happened to me was I had to get third place for, you know, I had to get to the semifinals and then I got knocked out. I first I had to get to the quarterfinals and then I lost. Then, I, then the next one I got to the semifinals and then I lost. And then, then I got to the finals and I lost. Um, and then eventually I just got to the point where I expected to always be in the finals. And then, uh, once I cracked that and I won like, um, a really big match in the finals, then, it, then it, um, then it, it really clicked for me. But still, if you're, you know, the top 10 in the world, um, depends on any given day who, who got better sleep, whose diet, like everything's got to be tuned in. Uh, that's, that's just part of being top 10 in the world. And then who uses better tactics and strategy. So, um, that top 10 can, uh, circulate. And then, you know, every once in a while there's, there's an outlier. That's the number one that, that gets a big lead on everybody else. Um, but in the lighter weight classes, that's very difficult. It's, it's really, really difficult. And the heavyweight, um, divisions, uh, like right now, Gordon Ryan has a, you know, significant lead over number two, number three. Uh, but the lightweight divisions, just like the UFC, like you could, you know, I think Steve Miocic has the, the record for the most heavyweight title defenses or uh, wins with like three or four. Um, you know, check me if I'm off on that, but it's not, it's not a lot. Um, lightweight, um, uh, light in the UFC, the most competitive round, uh, divisions, the, the lightest weight, like 170, 155, super, super difficult. And that title circulates pretty fast because, um, it's just that top 10 is so tight. Um, 185 has been weak in the past, 205, 
is sometimes strong. It's sometimes weak. It's usually like the marquee, uh, the most uh, like marketed division for the UFC. And then heavyweight is is usually one of the weaker divisions. Um, my theory on that is just that if you were just to look at the the just population of, of the world, how many people could fit into that one fifty five, one seventy uh, weight bracket. Um, and you know, there's just, it's just, uh, it, just even off that, there's a larger percentage population and also 155, 170, those people, um, did wrestling judo, um, that weight class, those people are not big enough to play in the NBA or NFL. Um, so the, so you don't have other big sports that are like pulling them potentially. Um, so, um, but uh, yeah, uh, then the week before that, other current events, we had the we did the World Series of Jiu Jitsu, uh, as a professional Jiu Jitsu event. It's really cool because they had professional divisions for everybody, for white belts, blue belts, all the way to black belt. Um, our competitors in that we had Hunter Gregory competed. He won the blue belt professional division. Uh, submitted all his opponents. Um, he got second place in the. The Black Belt Pro Division, so the Black Belt Pro Division for for $1,000. He got second place in that. Um, he lost to, uh, you could say, his nemesis. Uh, his nemesis, uh, he, Hunter's now in him. They're three and two. I believe his name's Jolly. I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to mess up his name. It might be Maximus Jolly, but he's solid. Um, I believe he's a purple belt now. Um, but, uh, Hunter and him, Hunter, they, they've gone against each other several times, Nashville Open, different tournaments, but Hunter's uh, now three and two against Jolly, but Jolly won the, the pro division, the black belt division as purple belt. Um, and if you're thinking, Hey, like, you know, no black belt showed up and that's not the case. The, the match before that, uh, he submitted, uh, Clay Mayfield, which is a pedago black belt out of Franklin, Tennessee. So the, so the tournament did have good competitors. They had, uh, the tournament had good talent. Um, but, uh, and the, so yeah, Hunter did good in that. Um, and, uh, then we had uh, Jackson Whitlow uh, won his division, the blue belt division. He won the the won the the jumbo check, and Hunter did as well. Uh, he won his blue belt division. Uh, submitted all of his opponents, and uh, Alex Derigi Alex Derigi uh, uh, won the white belt. Alex is a heavyweight um, and uh, uh, training for right right around a year. He he's I think he's been trained. He started about a year ago, but. Um, with work, sometimes he has to take time off, but, uh, fast learner, good student, uh, listens, uh, all, all three of them are. So that's why it's, it's not a surprise. Alex won the white belt professional division, uh, submitted, uh, his opponent in the finals. Um, so, um, yeah, they won, uh, all three of their actual skill, their belt rank, uh, divisions by submission. They won, uh, that one had EBI overtime rules. And then, uh, and then Hunter Gregory in the, uh, made it to the finals of the the black belt um, pro division, um, so yeah, so that was really good. That was the last few uh, weeks, so lots of good stuff. So now we'll actually get into the podcast. So um, this one, uh, I'm gonna take some time on this one because uh, yeah, I think I got five pages of notes. I will try to smoothly go through them, and uh, but um, you know I'm gonna try to do service to this one so you actually get something out of it. Okay, so um, this podcast is uh, gonna be. Uh, strategy against a college wrestler, how to be a college wrestler with jiu-jitsu if you've never wrestled um, in high school or college, okay? So, um, and uh, and then my first thing on the notes, I put uh, pull guard, we'll do that last. So we'll have to do that just on another day. 
um, so we can retitle this uh, How to Beat a College Wrestler from the Standing Position, uh, a high school or college wrestler from the standing position with jiu-jitsu, uh, assuming that you never wrestled. Or even if you did wrestle, then you're going to be able to uh, pick up on this even faster. So we have a lot of rest. We have a lot of wrestlers in the gym, um, and we have a lot of people that haven't wrestled in the gym. We have people that, you know, Jackson uh, wrestled in high school and competed uh, national-level uh, wrestling tournaments in high school. Um, he didn't wrestle in college, um, but obviously Jackson can take down college wrestlers and high school wrestlers. Uh, Jackson is a middle school wrestling coach, an assistant high school wrestling coach. Uh, but Alex Dereggi, no wrestling experience, uh, no prior wrestling experience. He's a, a baseball uh, specialty, um, or that's his sport specialty is baseball. Um, with no prior wrestling experience, um, you know, two, three months in, he was doing actual real wrestling because he would just go for the moves. He would actually just attempt them instead of holding back. Um, and he was getting taken down the majority of the time, the first, you know, few months. He would try, and then it would fail, And but, you know, uh, he would fi- uh, He would uh, t- try, it would fail, it wouldn't land. Uh, and then month after month, eventually, he started landing uh, his takedowns. Um, and Alex, uh, I've seen, I've personally seen Alex take down, uh, not, I don't know if I've seen him take down a college wrestler yet. Um, well, I, a young college wrestler that trains with us that has a, a scholarship for, for wrestling. Uh, he has taken him down, but that, that young, that young wrestler hasn't, um, actually wrestled in college yet. He's about to uh, start. Um, but I, Alex has taken down, uh, several people that have a high school wrestling background. Um, yeah, high school wrestling background, but with just a matter of time, and uh, if he listens to this one, this will help him uh, take down college wrestlers, and it's going to you know be a time element. And then, of course, uh, Hunter Gregory, I'm just going over the three that competed in that World Series Jiu-Jitsu. Hunter had no wrestling background. He came from a, um, a bodybuilding background, um, and R- Hunter has taken down uh, multiple um, high school wrestlers and college wrestlers, both in the gym and in competition. And he swept, wrestled up, and submitted high school wrestlers and college wrestlers in the gym and in uh, competition. Um, and then another another person that I can think of that's, that's a great example as well is uh, Junaid Muhammad. Uh, Junaid's been training with us uh, for a couple of years. Junaid had no wrestling background at all. Uh, he had his MMA debut uh, a few months ago. And his MMA debut, Junaid fought up a weight class. So he fought up 10 pounds. So he fought up a weight class. And he fought a guy who had wrestled all through high school. And after the fight, Junaid uh, took his opponent down in the second round and in the third round. Junaid took him down. And in the third round, Junaid won via TKO stoppage, ref stoppage. And when he was mounted, he maybe threw, you know, 15 to 30 punches from mount and uh, forced the ref to stop the fight. Um, but his opponent right after said, hey, where'd you wrestle? And uh, Junaid said, ah, I never wrestled, just just Phoenix. And, uh, and his opponent said that, um, told, told Junaid that he... Um, yeah, he wrestled all through high school. So, and me and Janae talked about this, and we kind of went over uh, a little bit of this. So, um, this was you know months ago. So this is I've been this has been cooking. It's been in the back of my head for a few months. So, uh, just gonna get it put it on paper now. Gonna put it on a podcast so everybody can uh, hear uh, my thoughts on it. So, and, and learn from Junaid, um, Hunter, and Alex Derigi. Um Obviously, you can learn from Jackson. We have tons of high school and college wrestlers in the gym. Learn from everybody. But just if you need examples of people who had no wrestling background and have taken down high school and or college wrestlers um, with no prior uh, wrestling background, uh, Junaid, Hunter, and Alex uh, are all examples that have done that. Um, So you could talk to them and ask them about it. So 
because uh, some jujitsu guys are just scared. They get scared of wrestlers, um, and they think they're scared of takedowns, and they're um, they're like, oh, I just I can't do that. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna try to fix that. So, if you're thinking that, so uh, let's see. Okay, um, okay. So now we'll get into it. Um, first, first point. Uh, for this podcast, we're going to focus on dealing with a folk style wrestler. Um, it would be a different podcast strategy against a Greco style wrestler or a judoka, a judo player. Um, so this, the specifics do matter, and you know, of course, the styles matter. But for this one, we're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of folk style wrestling. Um, Greco would be, uh, would be, you would have to, all of this, like there's a lot of work when it comes to strategy. You're ne- the, the answer is never, well, it's just this or it's just that. Nope, that's not the case. It's, it's not that. It's, if you think it's just this or it's just that, you just don't know all the details. There's always way more going on. You know, everything from when you go get your um, whatever, you go to McDonald's and you drive through. If you've never worked at McDonald's, there's way more working parts than than you can just imagine just from everything from ordering the product delivery, all the stuff. So there's just way more working parts on everything than you think. Um, uh, so, so we do got to be specific. So this would be, you know, if you're going against somebody, we're talking about folk style wrestling, which is what you're going to see in high school wrestling, uh, middle school, high school and college wrestling. Um, you got freestyle and Greco, their international rules. Um, that would be a different set. And then, and then judo as well. Um, so that, that would be a different, but we're talking about folk style today. So, uh, next point, uh, we need to do, uh, strength and weakness assessment, uh, folk style wrestling. So that's what we're going to do with this podcast. Um, so if you're wondering like how I'll strategize, uh, this, this would be kind of a example of, of how I do the, my blueprints or strategy when I'm thinking about how to find the, the weakness, how to, how to strategize against somebody, which you have to find, uh, their strengths. You have to be honest about what their strengths are and you have to be honest about the weaknesses, um, so that you can avoid their strengths and so that you can, uh, capitalize on their weaknesses. Um, it wouldn't be smart to fight somebody in their area of expertise, um, and it wouldn't be smart to avoid their weaknesses. Um, you want to do the flip of that. You want to not let them use their expertise, their their expertise, and you, then you want to try to force them to fight in an area where they're weak. That's going to increase your odds of winning. Um, yeah, so uh, let's go to the next thing. Uh, so next point, uh, we need to understand the rule set of folk style if we want to beat it. Uh, next point, uh, need to understand the scoring of folk style um, if we want to be able to beat it. Okay, the rule set and the scoring are important so that you. Uh, this is you're trying to do, you know, the same. If you like some CSI or whatever, like where they do uh, profiles on like uh, killers or psychopaths or whatever, you're doing the same thing. You're doing a profile. Uh, whenever you're, uh, whenever you are uh, doing a game plan to compete against somebody, you should do um, a profile on them, like an assessment. Um, and the more data, the more information you can get, the better uh, the the profile you can get. If you can't get a lot, then you're going to have to base it off of you know maybe their trainers, their coaches, their training partners. Um, and that's not going to be the best info, but, um, you know, you can, you can also have like a generic strategy, uh, be good to have a genetic, generic strategy against like a boxer, wrestler, uh, judoka, jujitsu guy. And then you can, you know, there's different styles obviously in all those, but, um, but having some type of, uh, strategy is going to help is going to be better than no strategy at all. 
Um, uh, let's see. Need to, uh, yeah, so we need to understand scoring, and we need to understand the rules. The, the rules and the scoring are going to dictate how they act. What the what the that's the reward. Those are the penalties and the reward system for that given sport. So the penalties are what you know what they're going to try to run away from or be scared of, or you know because they don't they don't want to get stung with that penalty. And then the scoring is going to dictate what their, you know, uh, like values are. So whatever their score, you understand the scoring and you understand what their values are. You understand what they put their time and effort and energy into innovating and training and focusing on. So that's going to let you know what they like to do. It's going to let you know what they don't like to do um, by understanding the rule set. Um, uh, so next point. Uh, by under, I just did like bullet points on this one. Uh, so, uh, yeah, next point by understanding the rules um, and point system combined with studying tape and competing in that rule set, um, we can put together a strength and weakness assessment. Okay, you could also, I didn't put it on this, but you could add interviews, uh, would also help you. So, interviews would be maybe uh, you never wrestled, but your best friend in the gym did wrestle. Maybe they're still wrestling. Um, this was actually part of like when me and John were talking about this a little bit yesterday. We had Cameron Isabel. Cameron is a, a really good high school wrestler. He wrestles at Wilson Central. Um, you know, this this I believe it's going to be a senior year coming up. If he wins state championship this year, uh, it w- won't be a surprise to anybody that Cameron wins a state title. Um, uh, he's yeah, really dedicated. Worked really hard. He's, uh, he's he's for the last few years been putting everything his entire life into wrestling. Goes to camps, everything. Uh, so it's it, it won't be a surprise when he wins a state championship. Um, and also it's not going to be a surprise when Cameron becomes a good college wrestler. Um, but so when me and John were talking about this, Cameron was sitting with us and one of the tips I started giving John that we're going to do on the podcast, Cameron then, uh, jumped in and said, yeah, he gave a good point. And it was, I was talking about, you need to threaten the neck. The first thing I do when I'm doing jujitsu, like say in the gym, training with a wrestler, a high school or college wrestler, the first thing I do is I well I uh, submit them multiple times with uh, front headlock submissions, okay, um, and then uh, and then Cameron when I said that I was like then what'll happen is you'll start to stress them, you change their stance, and then Cameron goes as from a wrestler because Cameron will come in, uh, he does he's focused on wrestling right now, but he'll still still come in, and he'll still do jujitsu rounds. Um, for fun and to get training in. He'll come in on open mats and he'll do uh, rounds jujitsu, even though that's not what he's focused on right now. Um, uh, but he'll still do it. And then he'll also do straight wrestling rounds, just folk style rules. Um, yeah, he'll do uh, folk style rules as well um, with uh, in the gym as well with, with the wrestlers, with people that understand folk style rules. Um, so, uh, so, um, but uh, when I said that, Cameron was hanging out with us, and he said, yeah, he goes, it makes you think. And what, like, what it means by it makes you think, it makes you nervous to shoot. Because, and then Cameron said, yeah, now it makes me think, like, where do I put my head? Where I put my head here? Where I put my head there? Um, wrestling, it's that calculation isn't in folk style wrestling because there's no chokes. It's not that there, of course, are calculations where you put your head when you shoot, but it's a different set of calculations and it's a different risk, uh, assessment. Okay. Um, you know, you shoot on and wrestling, you shoot and you got to worry, obviously you got to worry about like a counter pin or somebody getting you back exposure. Um, but you know, they could hit a go behind and, you know, say they get a takedown on you. Okay. It's not been the world. You're still in the match. We're going. In jiu-jitsu, every single time you shoot, 
um, the match can be over like within seconds. So um, once once you once you make somebody feel that. Uh, a handful of times, then they start making, um, then, then it makes them, it makes it, uh, it's, you kind of neuter a part of their offense. Cause now one of the advantages that wrestlers have is how explosive they are and how fast the setups are. Um, and also confidence is a part of it as well. Wrestlers are very confident. Um, they work really hard. They're really tough. So they're confident for a good reason. Um, and when you steal someone's confidence or you make them start not believing themselves, that then uh, makes it easier to fight them as well. Um, but Cameron said that. He's like, yeah, it makes you have to start to think. And then I told John, it's like one of my one of my best friends, uh, Joe Langford. He's a third-degree black belt, I believe. He's in our, our uh, teammate school in Spring Hill. Um uh, yeah, I have Joe saved. I, I showed John on my phone, so I wasn't, so he knew that I wasn't, as the kids say, it was no cap, no cap, right? I wasn't lying. I said, I have Joe saved as, um, you know, I've known Joe for like almost 15 years probably, but been training together. But, uh, but I, uh, I know Joe is saved in my phone as Joe Guillotine. And the reason why he saved, I told John, the reason why Joe is saved is Joe guillotine. It's just a reminder of how many times he guillotined me um, for years. I mean, like I'm talking about two, three years, not not like months, years. Um, because I came from a wrestling background. I came from a folk star wrestling background. Joe, I can't count how many times he guillotined me. That's why I saved him as guillotine on my phone. Uh, and then I had to develop a different takedown strategy when I'm going with Joe because of his guillotine. Uh, Joe didn't come from a wrestling background, um, just straight Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, so he developed a good guillotine uh, uh, and a f- good front headlock series to counter wrestlers, um, and yet works uh, good at it. He's good at it, so um, we'll go over that uh, some as well in this. Um, so yeah, we need to uh, come up with a strength and weakness assessment based off of the rule set, the stance, the the scoring, the penalties, etc., and the differences between the sports. This is why you don't just you don't just like hey just work on some wrestling. It, it has to be integrated into jujitsu, and also you can't just work on some wrestling or judo and then expect it to work in MMA. It has to be integrated. It has to you have, if you're going to shoot, it needs to be anyway. That I won't go too far on that. That'll be a different podcast episode. So first thing, uh, the next point, we'll go over like a quick little imagination drill or analogy. Um, so, you know, just imagine this scenario because it, it's going to cross over and it might help get the point across. It's an MMA analogy with this and it's um, something that happens. It's really common. Um, the, the, the thing is, why can wrestlers outstrike uh, strikers that are technically better than them. Okay, and I'm I'm not saying that the striker is like a bum and they're way out of shape or they got an injury. Like they're we'll say their strength and conditioning is pretty similar, so their physical attributes are pretty similar. Okay, um, why can for my notes you can't see it? I just did like a little bar graph. Um, I have the striker. He's an eight out of ten striking skill. Eight out of ten striking skill, and the wrestler is a five out of ten striking skill. Okay, why can that wrestler? Why does it happens all the time? It's happened all the time since nineteen ninety three, and even before that, probably with Shudo. Um, but why can wrestlers knock out boxers, kickboxers, Muay Thai fighters that are more skillful than them in MMA? Why can they knock them out? Why can they knock them out with punches? Why can they knock them out with kicks? 
why could Habib Nurmagomedov knock down Conor McGregor? Why could Gabriel Gazaga head kick Mirko Krokop and knock him out? Why? Okay, there's an answer. It's not just that they're fast or it's not just that they surprised him uh, or they just weren't ready. That's not the reason. Okay. Um, the reason that they can't, we're going to use this, a very similar strategy to deal with wrestlers when you come in from a jiu-jitsu perspective against a high school or college wrestler in the standing position. The striker in this scenario, my imaginary little scenario, has an 8 out of 10 in striking. The wrestler has a 5 out of 10. Okay, If the wrestler plays by the rules that that striker's comfortable with, let's say it's a boxer. If he plays by the boxing rules, the boxer will beat him, we'll say 9 out of 10 times or 99 out of 100 times because he's an 8 versus a 5 and they have similar physical attributes. We could say, you know, there's going to be some random things in there. So you could say 99 out of 100 or 95 out of 100 um, times because of the skill difference. But why does that not happen? Okay, it, or that's, that's if the wrestler plays by the boxer's rule set. But if the wrestler doesn't play by the boxer's rule set, by the rules of, of boxing... Um, we'll we'll keep just kicks out of this. We'll just talk about the grappling, the just the grappling because it gets more advanced when there's when there's kicks as well, uh, and it would get more advanced if there's submissions as well because you could Imanari roll and now they have to worry about Imanari rolls. But just wrestler versus uh, striker or boxer. Why could that wrestler um, uh, knock out the the striker? Uh, why why could that happen? And it's because of the threat of the takedown that the wrestler causes. Okay. Um, the wrestler doesn't even have to get a takedown. If you get the takedowns, it's even better um, because once you're on top and they have to press you off, you know now they're going more into like uh, filling up their arms, like like they're doing weightlifting. And weightlifting is the opposite type of movement that you want uh, for like uh, explosive striking, fast fluid striking. Uh, so that would be even better. But we'll say just tactics, just alone. The even if the if the wrestler just level changes and grabs a single leg. Just for five ten seconds, and then the striker gets out of it. Um, the or it could just be reputation that the striker knows that this is a really good wrestler, it's a college wrestler, or you know whatever they you know it's, you know uh, Hamzat or Bo Nichols. Like they're such a good wrestler. Um, now because they know of their reputation and their skill level, it changes the re- the striker's uh, targeting system. It changes their stance. And it changes uh, the things they have to worry about. Okay, so now they have you know double the things to worry about. They have to worry about the takedown threat. Okay, and by cha- for them to deal with the takedown threat, they can't stand as upright as they would like to. They have to lower their stance. Well, that's if that's not their main stance that they fight from. Now they don't have as many hours in that stance. Okay, so but if they're in their if you fight like a boxer against them, now they get to fight in their comfortable boxing stance. If you fight on the same angles that boxers uh, attack on, now they their targeting system is the same. But the wrestler who can level change and dump them on their head or on on their back at any time, now they have to calculate for that. And if they're not a really good wrestler, 
Now they're trying to, uh, they're, they're competing in an area that they don't have mastery in. And if you compete in an area that you don't have mastery in, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be slower, um, and also you're burning more energy, so you're going to get more tired. So it's it's really a win-win, multiple dimensions for the wrestler, um, because they're they're forcing them now. You know, if the, the takedowns cost a lot of energy, so lots of times the smart strategy for a wrestler is to just level change, grab a single leg, push their opponent up against the cage, and when their opponent defends really hard, let go of the single leg, and then come with a really hard punch, three-punch combination up to the head. And you can finish it with a low kick or finish with a body kick. Now you just, you really mess with that person because they, if they thought that all you're going to do is come out and shoot, they could just sprawl on you, just sprawl and then, you know, punch you as they stand back up. But now that you level change, they had to work, they, you made them work to defend the single leg. And then when they defend the single leg, instead of you giving them a break, you instantly throw a hard three-punch combination in their head. Maybe it lands, maybe it doesn't land. If it does land, you know, we're assuming your strength conditioning is similar, so it hurts everybody with, you know, small little MMA gloves that's doing damage. And then, then, you know, just to top it off, you finish it with a kick. It could be a low kick or a body kick. If it does damage, that's good, but even if it just lands, now you just outstruck that striker in their domain of confidence. So now that starts to rob their confidence from them because you just beat them at what they're best at, and now they have to worry about the takedowns. Um, so that's the reason. That's like, uh, that's, you know, that's a reason why Conor McGregor could, or sorry, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov could drop Conor McGregor even though Connor is a technically better striker um, than Habib. Um, and the reason why Gabriel Gonzaga could head kick and knock out, um, head kick and knock out, uh, the, 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 I was going to say, um, uh, Merkel Krokop, even though Krokop is a technically better striker. And also probably why you're going to see, or you have seen fights where Hamza Chmaev could uh, knock out or TKO, outstrike, um, uh, strikers um, are it's people that technically are uh, better strikers. So the the wrestling, uh, what happens is that that striker who went from it was a eight out of ten versus a five out of ten. Now that striker has maybe been dropped down to a five. So it's a five versus a five now. It's a five versus five in the striking domain, but that wrestler maybe is a nine or a ten out of 10 and that striker is only a four out of 10 and this is where you get like runaway fights where you're like oh man that's crazy how like you know like a Kamaru Usman could just you know just dominate the the way that he does or a Hamzat um and we'll see the like Bo Nickel that is a, a similar path that he could have um uh um we'll see once he gets into the top 10 when he fights the top 10 competition once that when we'll get to see if he can um, use that same blueprint or strategy where he can end up out striking strikers who are technically better than him uh, by utilizing his wrestling. Um, not in the most, it's you, you're utilizing your wrestling in an indirect way. Um, Ryan Hall does it with his jujitsu, with his leg attacks, his MNRI rolls, um, where he outstruck Gray Maynard. Um, it's a really awkward, weird fight, but he outstruck Gray Maynard, the, the stats that he landed more shots. Um, but he used MNRI rolls, so he used a guard pulling leg. He used a leg entry, um, and then combined with Taekwondo style uh, kicks, um, so that Gray Mariner had shorter reach, couldn't land punches on him because when um, when Ryan Hall is in a, kicking in a kicking range, um, Gray Mariner can't land his powerful punches. And then after the kicking, if Gray tried to close the distance off the kicking range, uh, Ryan Hall would throw a really strong Taekwondo style kick. 
Um, the downside of those high kicks and Taekwondo style kicks is that it's easy for your opponent to take you down. Um, but then if Gray would try to take him down, then Ryan would be, Ryan Hall would be in on leg attacks. Um, and Gray Mater would basically have to back out. So, but yeah, Ryan Hall, Gray Mater was mad about the fight, but he lost the decision. He rightfully lost the decision. And, uh, Ryan Hall's like master, uh, strategist. So it was great. He works with Frost Ahavi. So I wouldn't be surprised if Frost Ahavi helped him too. So this is what I mean by it's never just as simple as this or never just as simple as that um so now we'll go to uh the, the actual top back to the topic that analogy's done back to the topic of the um yeah back to the topic of what the podcast so how to um how to can go against a wrestler with jujitsu in the standing position um so with this we're gonna assume that the you know you're equal strength or sorry that was that, sorry that was the striker wrestler my notes so i'm saying equals uh um equal weight equal weight as weight class and then equal you know relatively equal in strength conditioning obviously nobody's ever equal but you know that we can't say hey you know just have better cardio than them just be stronger it's at the top level everybody has great cardio everybody has a great strength everybody has great conditioning um the difference comes down to which tools, which skills do you have. Um, again, all those physical attributes are just par. You don't even get into the top 10 if you don't have that. So at the highest level in the top 10 of any sport, it comes down to who is innovating, who has better techniques, um, and then who has better tactics, uh, like uh, how to use those techniques, how to integrate them together. Um, and then it's going to come down to, you know, mental toughness who who will break easier uh and then also mental speed who can cycle through who can cycle through those techniques faster than the other person like like chess players going against each other who can when it when the, when both of you know all the same techniques both of you know all the same tactics then strategy you both you both understand what's going on then it's a it's a mental speed and a mental toughness of who who's gonna break first and who, who's gonna who's gonna who's going to be slower than the other person and let the other person get uh, one step ahead. Uh, and, you've, you know, if you get one step ahead, the, the match, the fight could be over. Um, uh, so da, da, da. so uh, first thing. So first thing we'll go over, and this is doing strength and weakness assessment of wrestling. Um, so uh, first you have to fit your weight class, Okay. This is a strength of wrestling. Wrestling is very good on nutrition and controlling body fat and being big for weight classes. Okay, um, it's yeah, it's it's wrestling. Is wrestlers are very good at this. Wrestlers have mastered this. You know, they, yes, they've mastered. They're at a level of mastery. Wrestlers have mastered this. Lots of times, somebody will see somebody wrestles at 150 pounds. They're like, dude, you you look like you walk around 200 pounds. It's like, yeah, I do walk around 200 pounds. Wrestling is not like other sports. The the, the like wrestling it has mastered the agonizing. Diet. You know, bodybuilders will diet really, really hard. But wrestling, you're dieting really hard and then doing extreme cardio at the same time, like a high intensity, um, high, high intensity. You know, bodybuilders, when they step on a stage, if you ask them to, you know, sprint for 20 minutes straight, um, I don't think they could do it. But wrestlers will be at super low body fat and the entire sport is sprint, 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 sprint. Um, and, and, a, and it's a brutal sprint. It's a painful, brutal sprint. 
Um, so you have to first thing if you if you want to be competitive, if you want or you want to be able to beat a wrestler in standing position um, from a jujitsu perspective, you got to get on your nutrition. Uh, you have to be in the correct weight class. Okay, um, it's not helping you out to be. Uh, higher body fat than you need to. Um, of course, you know. Of course, the, this is what I'm talking about to maximize your chances of winning. Okay, um, you know this does. Don't make this a job if you don't want it to be, and don't let it ruin your life or anything with dieting. You know, you got to still enjoy life, obviously. But I'm we're going over how to maximize um, your 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 chances, how to beat a wrestler. Um, and if you if you're like you just don't want to diet and you just don't want to be in the correct weight class. Um, you know, then you can't complain that wrestlers, that this wrestler is so much stronger and so much bigger, um, because they're doing the same thing that you're doing. They're, they're, you know, um, and obviously I'm not saying to do this at a unhealthy level. Um, I pulled up the Olympic, uh, uh, Olympic reference ranges for wrestlers for body fat percentage to give you like a little thing and I'll tell you what I think. So you got to fit your weight class, um, uh, the weight class matters. Five pounds of muscle makes a, a big difference uh, when all other things are equal. So equal skill, you know, all these things, five pounds of muscle will make a difference. Um, again, your conditioning's the same. Your conditioning's at the same level um, and your skill's at the same level. Five pounds of muscle will make a difference. And, and all these small little differences collectively will, will add up um, uh, for you or against you. Um, so for wrestling, the, the, the wrestling numbers I could find, uh, for, for males, Olympic level wrestlers, the, the found, the one I found was, uh, the, these are the lowest you can get to the lowest recommended for Olympic wrestlers, 5% for males, uh, lowest recommended for high school is 7%. When I was in high school, I remember you had to, if you were, it was probably if you were, uh, it was probably 7% or something like 7%, 5%, somewhere around there, but there was a number for the TWSAA where if you wanted to get, they, they would check our body fat and we'd do a hydration test at the beginning of the season. And if you were at, say, I think it was, we'll say 7% because this, this number of this had it on the, the wrestling website I found. Um, uh, the If you wanted to get, if your body fat was already that low, um, then you would have to get permission. You'd have to get a permission form filled out by your parents saying that you could get down to 6% or 5%. Um, uh, for uh, females, for Olympic, the lowest uh, was 12%. Um, in the article, second, I can pull it up. Um Okay, the, the article that I found uh, is a sports, sports medicine article. It was by WrestlingUSA.com, and the title is Leanest, Meanest Weight for Female Wrestlers is 12% Body Fat, the Glass Ceiling, and then parentheses floor. Um, so uh, that's where, you know, if you want to read that article, it has some good information. Um, and the article, just so you know, to summarize it, it's not saying that you have to get to 12%. It's saying that that are 12% uh, for female Olympic or 5% for um, male Olympic. When I looked it up before, yeah, I think a year ago, the Olympic male uh, wrestlers, what I found was I think 6 to 8% or 6 to 9%. Um, but again, this article is saying that's the floor. That's as, as low as you can get. Uh, if you get lower than that, you'll start to have performance drops and health drops. I know with males, 
that if um, if your testosterone or if your body fat gets too low, uh, your testosterone will drop, and that's going to hurt you. Um, and in the article, it it, uh, it was talking about your your conditioning will drop too if you if your body fat gets too low. Um, I think it might affect females like menstrual cycles too if body fat gets too low. But don't quote me on that. I, c- I could be off. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so that's just saying that's the lowest. And it says that um, yeah. So what I would suggest is. I would say suggest a few points. My recommendation would be a few points above those minimums. So like, you know, high school minimum is 7% for males. You know, honestly, for males, what I would suggest, body fat, uh, if you want to be at like world championship, professional jiu-jitsu, um, my suggestion where you're in the best in your weight class um, is going to be, you know, say 6 to 10% body fat. That's what I would suggest. Uh, and female, if the Olympic boss, if the, uh, if the Olympic floor, the lowest you can get is 12%, then maybe I would suggest, you know, uh, 14 to 20%, something like that. Maybe 14 to 22%. I haven't gone as in depth on the, the like female hormone, uh, things and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I would, and the article even says this, it says that like, um, think about if you're trying to get to, Five uh, percent body fat. It's kind of like if your their analogy they used was if your fuel tank um, can go three hundred miles, um, and you have you uh, three hundred miles in your journey's three hundred miles. It wouldn't be very smart to like just drive all the way to the thing and then you run out of gas at the destination. Said it would still even though that it's a three hundred mile trip, it would be smart at you know the two hundred mile mark to refill. Um, and they were kind of using that as an analogy with the body fat, like the uh, 5% or 7% for Olympic and high school males. It's like, that's like a, that's like your, you know, that's, you don't need to be any lower than that. Um, but you know, basically was saying if you're a little bit above that, uh, that would be a good target. Um, and for females, the Olympic 12%, uh, they were suggesting in the article, um, a a few percentage points higher than that. So anyway, um, so yeah, so, um, if you don't, uh, if you're not in the correct weight class, you're gonna um, have a hard time beating a wrestler because that is a strength of wrestling as a sport. Wrestlers are very dedicated on diets. They will suffer. They will go through a lot of pain uh, to be in the correct weight class to get a competitive advantage. And it's grappling. You're grabbing people. Strength matters. Strength really, really matters. And also, weight matters. How much weight do you have to move around? If you're having to move around somebody that's 20 pounds heavier than you, it costs more units of energy, of your energy, to move them. And it, co- it costs more of your strength effort that you have. Um, so you're going to fatigue faster. Um, and then vice versa. So, uh, yeah, that's the first thing. So you got to, you know, if you want to you wanna beat wrestlers in the standing position, you got to understand what their strengths are. And you got to at least be an equal or close to it when it comes to that. You can't just operate at a weakness and at a deficit and then wonder why uh, they're beating you um, with this. So uh, next one's going to be conditioning. Uh, also known, you could your measure, measurement of conditioning would be VO2 max, like how, how efficiently your, your body can process oxygen. Um, your VO2 max needs to be optimal for your uh, your weight class and your age. Um, you can go on Google and you can 
Google, um, you know, how to measure your VO2 max. If you wanted to, you could get it tested. Um, I've had it tested one time for, it was a water study, water supplement study. But um, if you've ever seen like the Gatorade commercials where they, you sit on the, the stationary bike and they have the, the hose, like the oxygen mass and the hose like hooked up to you, um, that's the one that I did. I think those tests might cost uh, a good bit of money. I got, I got lucky that it was part of, again, this, I think it was Defiance Fuel, the water company, but uh, I was doing it for uh, a, a test um, for Defiance Fuel, that water company, um, so I got to do it um, for free, uh, so maybe you could find, you know, uh, a university or a supplement, something like that, maybe you could find something like that. I just got lucky that one of one of the students, one of the parents actually, suggestions uh, they heard from somebody like, hey, we're doing this thing, so if you want to get in, so yeah, I signed up for it. Um, but there are, like, uh, your your Fitbits and your Apple Watch and stuff like that, um, I know that they have uh, some VO2 uh, measurement uh, tools, and you can also look up, like, basic formulas online. Um, you know, are they going to be 100% accurate? Probably not. You know, the most accurate thing is going to be something you have to pay a lot of money for, but they're, you know, at least they're better than nothing, and they're at least accurate. I would, I would guess that they're accurate to themselves, meaning if you use the same device, your Fitbit or whatever it is, and then you, uh, say you do a conditioning protocol, and then, you know, for a month or two months, training plan and then you use that same device that you tested before to test again and you could you know you could see hey it's accurate to itself where i you know my vo2 max increased or decreased or there was no effect and you could figure out different things uh for your testing or you could just pay somebody as a specialist and increase in vo2 max or you could read books on it um but uh but yeah this this is another this is a strength of wrestling um uh, uh yeah this is a strength in, in wrestling conditioning vo2 max is a strength um, and, uh, another thing I'll add with this, your VO2 max starts to drop, uh, approximately 1% per year at age 25. So if you wonder why teenagers have in early twenties have such good cardio, um, there is a genetic, just an aging component to it. Just like re- reflex, re- reflexes, uh, your reflexes, um, start to diminish as you age, your reflex time. Um, and, uh, your testosterone level starts to diminish with age, um, yeah, it's uh kind of sucks. Yeah, just getting old. Everything everything slows down. Uh, but um, you know, uh, the I've heard. Uh, I don't have like the actual like science right in front of me right now, so um, I don't want to be. I don't want to uh, misquote it, but I've heard that yeah, that muscle. Uh, muscle takes time to develop, so the the phrase the old man strength. I've also heard that muscle is one of the last attributes that that you lose, or your strength is the last thing that you lose. Um, and that my, the old adage in fighting was strength is the last, strength's power is the last thing that a man loses in boxing. Um, and that might just be because, you know, at 40, your VO2 max has been dropping a good bit, you know, since 25, your testosterone levels are even dropping gradually. Um, but if it takes, uh, time for your muscles to fully develop, um, your, your cardio is down, but you might be stronger than you ever were because it just, because you have 40 years, uh, or, you know, since, let's say since puberty, you have more years of developing your strength and your power, uh, than somebody who's 20. Um, so, um, and, and I, that seems like bro science wise, it seems spot on. Uh, I've, I've from grappling, I've grappling since 2002. Um, yeah, the guys in their uh, in their thirties and forties can be extremely strong, um, but lots of guys that are 
say lots of like 20 year olds that look really really muscular lots of times are not as strong as expected um some of them are some of them are crazy strong but some some of them are not as strong as expected um so yeah so you gotta you gotta work on your vo2 max um what i would suggest for jujitsu you know combination of a uh, you could do long distance uh cardio like running two five two miles five miles um that's not the best bang for your buck if you want to get the the most effective for grappling, what I would suggest would be sprints um, or uh, hit like high intensity interval training. But it's sprints really, like the the American Wrestling uh, Olympic Training Center, they do sprints, and it's like yeah, that's not too complicated. Find a find a spot, forty yard incline sprint, sprint up that incline, and then walk or jog back down. Sprint up that incline, walk or jog back down. That's going to be a more similar energy system uh, to what uh, a jujitsu match is going to be like. It's not a constant sprint, so that's why you can walk down. And uh, but it is, it is, uh, it's not. Jiu-jitsu matches do not feel like you're running five miles. Um, yeah, the, the, it's not. It's not a jogging pace. Um, so they are different energy systems. Uh, but but jogging long distance isn't bad. That builds like base car, uh, conditioning, and you know sometimes you don't want to do sprints. It's better to do uh, something rather than nothing. So, um, all right. So we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pause this. It's gonna kick me off in ten seconds. But I gotta add part two. All right, ready? One second. All right. So uh, yeah. So picking back up on VO2 max, you need. Uh, optimize your vo2 max and as you get older of course your vo2 max is not going to be as good um, but it's fine you can still um, that's what i'm saying optimize just you know we want to age gracefully and uh, we don't just have to just give up because we're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 um yeah life and bodies can run pretty good as long as we take care of them and uh do the right thing and we're smart about it um the part of why i brought up the vo2 max aging is say if you are older you're going against a younger wrestler uh, this is going to play into the tactics that you need to do. So don't, if you're, you know, the 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 Bane quote to Batman, like uh, when they're fighting on the the Dark Knight Rises, um, you know, when Bane says like you you fight like a younger man. Um, oh, how am I losing this now? It's one of my favorite little quotes, like movie scenes. But yeah, he says fight like a younger man, um, respectable, but mistaken uh nah, that's I'm, I'm butchering the quote i'm messing it up um but uh and then when he says uh victory ha-, he says Vic- as he's beating up batman he says victory has defeated you so with that he's it's batman is uh resting on his laurels and hasn't stayed in shape um but this happens to a just side note this happens to a lot of our guys in their 30s and 40s in the gym they will go with teenagers or early 20s and they'll basically do the bane scene where they'll try to fight like a young man uh, fight yeah you fight you fight like a young man admirable but uh mistaken um so yeah you can't fight like a young man when you're not a young man that's not smart um uh but i see it all the time guys in their 30s and 40s they'll they will fight with the teenagers and the 20s um like they're like they're a young man but they're not a young man and then they get they blow out their gas tank. They're super tired, and then they're you know they're frustrated because then they lose once you get completely gassed. Um, but you know maybe just nobody's told them this. But you can't don't fight like a young man when you're not a young man, and uh, and you got to be honest with yourself too. The, you know some people the reason why they're doing it is because they're just delusional. And it's like you know like there's plenty there's like people that are forty years old that run those ultra marathons and stuff, run a hundred miles and stuff, two hundred miles and stuff. So you can be in really good shape. 
Um, but even though you're in really good shape, you just can't uh, fight at the same pace, the same pacing as a 19-year-old, 16-year-old, 21-year-old. It's not the smart way to do it. And you got to be honest with yourself, um, um, brutally honest, and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm getting older. My VO2 max is dropping. Um, I'm in good shape, but it's not smart for me to fight that way. If I try to fight that way, if I do jiu-jitsu that way, um, I'm, I'm not being real with myself. Um, you know, personally, this is a transition I've been going through the last five, seven years. Uh, when I was 21, I won a world championship when I was 21 and my style really was my style. I, I used a ton of, uh, reaction time, uh, conditioning and speed was a big part of my game. Um, but I realized like, Hey, you know, as I age, if that is how I win all my matches, um, I'm going to have a hard time when I'm 40 years old doing jujitsu because at 40, it's impossible for me to be as fast. My VO2 max to be my reaction time. It's impossible for it to be as fast as it was at 21. It's impossible for my VO2 max to be as high as it was when it was 21. Just biology, just nature. So uh, instead we use technique, we use engineering and we use strategy and wisdom uh, to, to, to even up that playing field. Um, so, uh, yeah, VO2 max, uh, yeah. So, and, uh, say if you're young, like remember that and focus on your VO2 max, like you, you're in your peak. So don't waste it while you're young. Um, yeah, don't waste it while you're young, max it out, get it as good as possible. Enjoy it. Uh, when you're in a young body, you're like in a sports car, you're just, you know, and you're in like a Maserati or whatever, you're in a Lamborghini. Um, so enjoy it. And I don't mean by, I don't mean enjoy it by go out and party and just be at pools like shirtless or whatever, uh, hanging out with girls all the time. I mean, enjoy it. Um, test yourself, compete, compete in the biggest stuff possible. Cause there will be a time if you're an athlete, there's going to be a time that you're going to look back when you're 40 or you're 50 and you'll look back at yourself when you were 21, 22 and you'd be like, dang, I, man, I missed that. That was, I remember when my body moved that way. And again, you'll still be, I'm not assuming that you're just broke down and you're just messed up. You're still in good shape. Like my, I'm, I feel uh, very good physically, but I can, I can remember what it felt like to be 21. I'm like, man, I, I missed that. Now I'm happy. I won uh, two national titles and two world titles. So happy with it. But when you're young, don't, don't waste it. Um, um, yeah, test it out, like test your boundaries. If you lose a match, who cares? Um, but, but test it out so that when you're older, you can, you can settle back and be like, okay, cool. At least I, at least I really, really used, I used that Lamborghini, uh, when it was a Lamborghini and now it's, you know, now I can move on to the next phase and be okay. You know, you don't want to be that guy that's, uh, you know, 40 years old trying to act like they're 21, uh, whether it's just social things or even just sparring, like it's, um, yeah, it's not, it's not good. And it's embarrassing. Um, so, let's see. Oh, uh, and another note, too, for the young ones that you have really good conditioning. Just because you have a peak, a great VO2 max, just because you have a large gas tank doesn't mean that you should waste fuel. Okay, so we're gonna that's going to come into the tactics, which is what we're about to go into, transition into. Um, just because you got a big gas tank doesn't mean waste it. Because if that guy's got a big gas tank, too, then, you know, you can, you can still get tired, even though you're... Um, in great shape. 
Um, da, da, da. yeah, now that we have physical attributes, we can uh, gloss over uh, technique. The reason why I say gloss over technique is this this podcast would be 20 hours long if I was to go into very specifics about which technique to do, when, at what point, what time. And I uh, couldn't even do, I mean, I could, but it, it'd be really hard to do on a podcast. It's the whole reason why uh, I make lesson plans and the whole reason why I come to class is so that I can uh, get this across, uh, um, you know. Have we have ten jujitsu classes a week? Um, so those ten, you know, ten jujitsu classes a week. You know, most of them an hour and a half. It's like you know, whatever you got, you got uh, all those hours to 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 come for class, and I'll explain um, the actual specifics on the technique. Um, but uh, but I, we will gloss over it, over things that you want to do, and then feel free in the gym ask me to say, hey, when you mentioned this technique, what did you mean? Um, you know, and I can show you. And uh, feel free. I, I take requests. I like requests from students because it makes it makes my job easier, uh, makes it uh, making lesson plans easier. Um, let's see. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, next point. Uh, have is a uh, technique expertise tactics or yeah so uh your technique we went over the physical attributes now we're going into technique expertise and tactics those are the most important thing for this subject when it comes to beating a wrestler in standing position uh from uh jiu-jitsu using jiu-jitsu uh your technique expertise and tactics are the most important okay the reason why they're most important is the if you have a good VO2 max and you're you're in the correct weight class and you're strong for weight class, congratulations, you're just now like wrestlers, okay? That doesn't put you ahead of any wrestlers. That just puts you on the same playing field. It's going to be your technique, your expertise, and your tactics that are going to close the gap. Or, or uh, I say close the gap. They're going to allow you to beat a wrestler in standing position. Again, you're not wrestling. Okay, this is important. You're not wrestling. You are doing submission grappling. Are you doing jujitsu? I just usually just call it jujitsu, but you're you're doing submission grappling. You're doing jujitsu. The the stance is different. The setups are different. The fact that you can do submissions changes the whole game. The point structure on what is a takedown is completely different. You're not doing the same thing. But lots of jujitsu guys will go against a wrestler. And because they're going against the wrestler, now they start going against uh, grappling the wrestler like they're a wrestler. It's like, you're not a wrestler. Why are you, why are you doing that? Um, if you were a Muay Thai fighter and then you were fighting against a boxer, you wouldn't get into like a boxing stance and just only box with a boxer. You would use your low calf kicks. You would use your inside kicks, your low kicks, your body kicks, your teeps, your elbows, your knees. You would use everything against that boxer. And, and, and you would only use the, the things that he's good at. You know, you would you, you would try to use that as little as possible, basically, um, so that he just doesn't have a chance to win. Um, but yeah, so that just think of that. That's the same the same thing we're gonna do with jujitsu. Um, uh, next point, um, question. The next one's a question. So, uh, uh, like, this is an important one. If you're listening to somebody, just ask the question. Um, can your instructor? Or the person that you're listening to, your teammate, your training partner, podcast, whatever it is, can that person um, take down, sweep, or submit high school wrestlers and college wrestlers? In no gi, not gi, no gi, because the wrestler's not going to put on the gi 
when they go against you. They're going to sign up for the Nogi division. You want to be able to beat them in Nogi. Not Gi. Okay. Uh, Gi, uh, put ports in a wrestler, put a Gi on. Like, only going with, that's just a cop-out. You're just trying to, like, you're, the, again, it's, the, and we're talking about Nogi competition for this as well. Because uh, wrestlers don't train with a Gi on. They train Nogi, shorts, t-shirt, um, or singlet. Um, so, can your instructor or the person that you're listening to, teammate, podcast, whatever it is, can they can they take down, sweep, wrestle up, or submit a high school or college wrestler? Can they do that? Or let's say like somebody like John Donaher who like needs a hip replacement, knee replacement, and stuff. He can't do it physically. Probably can't. Does he have students that he can? Uh, does he have students that can do it? And I said, students. Does he have multiple students that can do it? Not one student who is a freak and works out, works really hard, and self teach. There's a lot of, uh, I think it's autodidacts, um, but self taught people where their instructor doesn't teach them any of the things, but they do it, and then the instructor takes credit for it. Um, but uh, yeah, can can so if they can't do it themselves, you know, say they've just gotten older and they can't, you know, their body they don't they can't doesn't perform like it used to. Do they have? A, a proven system and a proven system you can just look it's easy to know if it's proven in the gym and in competition can they do those things um if not um you know if not just think like like you wouldn't take technical financial advice from someone who can't um you know can't uh, you wouldn't take technical advice from somebody, like financial advice from somebody who, like, when you looked at them, you don't consider them to be financially sound. Like, if they, you know, if you looked at their financial accomplishments and you were like, hey, that doesn't line up with my financial goals, then, like, how can I take your advice? Um, you know, now, again, you, it could be that, like, hey, they don't match up with your financial goals, but they have 20 students that have followed their system and it's proven it's not this is not like an Instagram ad where hey I've done this like no you can actually see it where their concepts are actual tested in the market tested under in, in competition and have been proven correct because um, obviously there's not one way to do anything uh, there's, well, there's multiple ways to do uh, things but um, you just got to have some type of track record some type of actual uh, thing um yeah, so that's uh, when you're you know selecting an instructor, or if you're selecting a uh, gym, or you're selecting a instructional to buy, like just put it through that filter. Um, yeah, for you know that that would be a way that you can see. Um, uh, so the most important thing uh, to beat ow, to 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 beat a wrestler with jujitsu is going to be tactics, okay? Uh, again, of course, technique Technique is, for jiu-jitsu, for this, this is kind of a given. Like, you're going to have to understand all these moves. It's going to take you a couple of years to learn all the moves I'm going to mention. Um, and then the tactics are going to be how and when to use them. Uh, and this is going to be for going against a folk-style wrestling, uh, folk-style wrestler, high school, college wrestler. So now we're starting to get into the weaknesses, um, or we can exploit some weaknesses from folk-style, Okay. Uh, one of the weaknesses of folk style when they transition into jiu-jitsu competition or submission grappling competition is the stance, okay? First point on the stance. The neck is constantly in range of being choked, okay? For folk style wrestling, like a good little rule of thumb, 
when you're a good low stance, when you're in a good wrestling stance, your rear hand should be able to touch the floor without having to bend over. So you're in a pretty low stance at that point. It's taxing on the legs, okay? So just being in the stance is taxing, and it fatigues your, your legs being in that stance. It's one of the hard parts about wrestling. Wrestling are short, explosive burst periods. Jiu-jitsu, submission grappling is not that way. For a black belt match, it's going to be 10-minute, no timeouts, no period for the IBJJF, okay? If you're doing a pro jiu-jitsu match in an event, like uh, the one uh, the World Series Jiu-Jitsu for um, uh, the blue belt division, it was 10 minutes, no no periods. 10 minutes, and then after that was the EBI overtime. So no periods. So you're not doing two-minute sprints for three periods or whatever variation, you know, depending on the skill level wrestling you're doing. Um, jiu-jitsu is uh, longer uh, time periods. Now, white belt jiu-jitsu and tournaments will be five-minute uh, five match, but even that, the tempo is different because it's five minutes with no period. There's no, there's no pause time. It's five minutes continuous. Uh, but um, Now, if you do a pro match, um, you're looking at 10, 15, 30 minutes if you're doing like a pro event, which are getting more and more popular in the jiu-jitsu world. Um, you know, 10, 15, 30-minute match. Sometimes they do the no time limit matches, so you're looking at an hour-long match, an hour and a half, two-hour-long match, however long it goes. I can't remember how much that, that Isaac Michelle, how long that Isaac Michelle match went, where they, they said it was going to be no time limit, and then they ended up pausing it. They said it was for a health safety check, I think, like an hour and 15 or an hour 30 or something, but then they, they just moved them off of the main. Uh, it's not the best thing for a spectator sport um, because – they can't predict when the the match will be over, so it's kind of messes you up for you. It could mess up, ruin your main event. So they said that they were uh, doing a health safety check or hydration check or something like this, whatever. But they just moved him back to a mat, like back in the back of the event. It was it was kind of funny. It was like a old WWF like a boiler room match or whatever, where they would clip in flow grappling would clip back to it and would show uh, the match as it was going on. It just kept on going. I can't remember how long that went. I can't remember if it was like an hour and a half or two hours or something. It was it was crazy long. Um so that stance, wrestlers, folk style wrestlers, because it's part of their strat, it's part of who they are. They've put they've put ten thousand, fifteen, twenty thousand hours into it. They will stay they oftentimes will stay in that stance. And that's going to tax their legs at a faster rate than it taxes your legs if you're not in that same stance. Not only that, when they're in that stance, their neck is in range of front headlock submission attacks. Okay, Front headlock submission attacks, and then later we'll get into, you can also use front headlock takedown attacks. Um, but it's constantly in range. Again, this is not, this is a key difference between jiu-jitsu and wrestling and why the stances have to be different for jiu-jitsu and wrestling. Lots of wrestlers will arrogantly watch ADCC and they'll say, oh, those jiu-jitsu guys suck. They're not good wrestlers because they're students. Um, no, that's not the case. Lots of them are college wrestlers themselves and they converted to jiu-jitsu, but they have to change their stance. Some of them are not. But they have changed their stance, and it's because um, the ADCC match, if you have a 45-minute match, 45-minute um, match for $50,000, or $50, um, it's, yeah, you in that low stance, and you're going to get jacked up. You're going to get tired really fast. And there's really uh, clever strategies to, to, to do purposely to a wrestler that's going to do that, and that's some of the things we're going to go over. Um, but yeah, the neck is in range and wrestling chokes are not allowed. Okay. Chokes are not allowed. So 
the neck is constantly in range. You could potentially win the match within seconds anytime they're in the stance. Okay. Um, and then not only that, you can also, depending on the rule set, you can also rack up advantage points. Every time you get close to a choke, you attempt the choke, you get close to it, you get an advantage point um, for IBJJF if it's a strong submission attempt where they, they almost get have to tap. Uh, if, um, if it's a pro event um, where they are doing like an invisible score system, they're still they're judging off of who, who has the most offense or near submissions, takedowns, guard passes, sweeps, all that good stuff. And usually submission threats are weighted the, he- the heaviest in jiu-jitsu comp- pro events because they want finishes. Um, wrestling is very, very big on, uh, and the IBJJF jiu-jitsu is very big on this in a similar way masters of learning the rule set and the points and the out of bounds and everything and like winning by one point winning by one advantage wrestling and um the ibjjf are similar in that but the pro jiu-jitsu events are very because they're they're not just caring about like who wins the match that because they're they're trying to make money off of selling uh subscriptions to flow grappling or whatever it is and sell tickets they they uh, organize the rules to emphasize uh, to push towards a submission. So they're trying to incentivize uh, submissions as much as possible because they want it to be entertaining. They don't want somebody to um, pull guard, close guard, and then uh, you know shoot a triangle, get an advantage the last thirty seconds. They also don't want somebody to shoot a double leg and then just bury their forehead in the person's stomach for the next ten minutes. Like they don't they don't want that. They uh, they want it to be entertaining, and that's where the biggest money's going to be, is in the pro events. Um, uh, yeah, ADCC. Why I like is ADCC. Uh, even for their standard divisions, the ADCC opens. They they have their rule set is geared that same way, so that you can't game the system uh, and kind of anti fight like you can in an IBJJF uh, rule set tournament. Uh, I'll do a podcast podcast on the list coming up. Is the difference between ADCC. IBJJF and EDI rule sets for uh, jiu-jitsu competition. Um, so, uh, yeah, okay. So, here we go. I know, long podcast. I'm trying to trying to do it justice. I know that's a long one. So now we're actually getting to it. This would be my prescription or recommendation, what to do. Uh, start of the match when you're going against a wrestler. You know they're a high school wrestler, college wrestler, um, this could be in the gym or it could be in a competition. This is if you want to beat them from standing position. Of course, if you just want to get the submission as fast as possible or just you know get top as fast as possible, faster way would be uh, to pull guard, and we'll do a whole series off that one time. But would would be to pull and go to the mat as soon as possible uh, and get your submission as soon as possible or get your sweep or your wrestle up as soon as possible to get top, top position. Um, but if you purposely want to beat uh, a wrestler, a folk style wrestler, high school or college wrestler from standing position, this would be my strategy, my step-by-step strategy, what I would suggest for you, okay? Um, so uh, this this first one's going to be more like a like a gym reference if you're going against uh, somebody that has better wrestling than you and they keep taking you down, okay? So my first thing I, my, I do anytime I go with a college or high school wrestler is um, I will submit them Unless I'm purposely, sometimes I'll turn my submissions off. Like that's another thing I think students don't realize is that a lot of people, uh, instructors and black belts especially, sometimes just to have fun. It's like if you're a high school wrestler, a good high school wrestler, a good college wrestler, 
I'll turn my submissions off so that I can just work on my wrestling just to get the best challenge, the best match I can get out of you. Um, and that's, you know, a smart thing to do. Uh, it might be that like a really good leg locker, I'll purposely only go with leg locks with them um, just to, and, and I won't pass the guard or use any wrestling against them just because I want to get those, those good leg lock exchanges to increase my leg locks. And, and everybody does this at a, at a high school level. Um, but if we're, you know, you're, your objective is to beat them, to actually win. Um, you're not just trying to beat and win your rest, uh, improve your wrestling right now. Actual tactics. Uh, when I go with high school or college wrestlers, initially what I'll do is uh, I my goal is to submit them with front headlock attacks. So you could say a guillotine or you know anything from front headlock uh, multiple times. You know two, three, four, five, ten times. You know whatever. If I'm really you know. If, just just on win mode i'm just gonna submit from every time they shoot attack the neck and submit every time they shoot attack the neck and submit 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 or every time they shoot attack the neck when they defend the neck then go to the back and then submit from the back uh or dominate from rear mount um and after you do that so many times just like my buddy joe did to me eventually uh the wrestler will break okay and what i mean by break is they will start uh, second, get what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast where Cameron was saying it makes you start uh, thinking and start doubting. So that's like the first level that you're trying to do. And then that changes their stance because, you know, if they're bent over in a folk style, I'm not going to shoot underneath that. Well, I want to shoot like you're prepared to sprawl. Instead, I'll just put you in a front headlock series and I'll submit you or I'll just run a front headlock series and take the back if you defend it, you know, or trying whatever it is. Um, but I will capitalize on that until you make an adjustment. And then eventually the wrestler, like I said, my buddy Joe did this to me for years. The wrestler will, their stance will break, they're, they, it will change, and then they will stand more upright. And now their head's no longer in that, uh, that strike zone for guillotines. But now that they're standing more upright, they're no longer standing in their home stance, the stance that they have 10,000 hours in, 20,000 hours in, 15,000 hours in. Okay, Now they're working in a stance that they're not as accustomed to. They're still good at it because they're still good wrestlers, so it's not saying that they're bad. It's just they're just not in their best thing. But now they have the self-doubt and they have the, the record of every time they get choked when they when they shoot. So it's it's messing up their... It messes up psychologically their attacks, but it also messes up their attacks. You know, if somebody's in a really low stance, they can shoot in on your on a single leg or double leg much faster than they can when they're in more upright stance. Because when they're in upright stance, they have to level change. Uh, they have to do more of a level change to get in on a low single or a single or a double. Um, so now you have more time uh, to react and see their level change, their shot. Um, yeah, so now they're fighting a stance that they're not accustomed to in folk style. And this is one of the things me and Janae talked about. His opponent had wrestled all through high school. Um, and I told him, it was like, in high school wrestling, lots of times if they don't do Greco, um, if they don't do Greco in the offseason, if they only do folk style, um, then they're used to that really low stance. The situation rounds that we do in our competition class, which is what Janae's used to, he basically started from the beginning of his training just about, uh, is is they are positions that you're going to see in MMA. So they're wrestling positions, but they're going to be positions that you see in MMA. Um, so I told Janae, I was like, hey, even though that guy wrestled uh, you know, four seasons in high school and you've only trained for two years, um, you your two years of training has been focused on positions for wrestling for MMA. 
um, as opposed to wrestling for folk style. So even though he has that wrestling lead on you, you took him, and he had a 10-pound weight advantage on Junaid, at least 10 pounds if not more. Junaid still out-wrestled him and took him down multiple times um, uh, in their fight. So that, that's like the reason, the reason why. So even though Junaid doesn't have wrestling experience, he has more wrestling experience in MMA takedown positions. Um, so yeah, when you uh, submit them several times on the neck, that changes the stance. They're not in their home stance. They're not in their, their main stance. They're, tra- they're used to training them. And, um, and all those good reasons. It takes longer for them to level change, get to your legs. You have more time to react. Uh, and their their confidence has dropped uh, from uh, them getting submitted so many times and lots of times you know now if somebody's got good control of their ego um, this won't be the case but lots of people and wrestlers lots of wrestlers get um, uh, frustrated pretty easy and they, that like a rage like you know rage out this just you know not all wrestlers there's we got plenty of wrestlers in the gym no problem if they get tapped they just sweet shake hands um, but there are several it's not uncommon in the wrestling community to be uh, hotheads are, are, are pretty common, um, uh, so, or at least in my experience. So, um, but uh, so yeah, then if you can get them frustrated and a bit angry, now it's going to be even easier um, because when you're angry, you'll you make more mistakes. Um, da, da, da. You do get stronger and more explosive, but you 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 make more mistakes. You'll be stronger, more explosive, offering up your neck, um, or the jujitsu guy is prepared to to choke it. Um, so next point, um, so yeah, now you're going to be fighting in a more, you're going to be grappling in a more upright stance, which is more, more used in, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition, Judo and Greco, um, not folk style. Okay. Um, next step, do not shoot yet. Okay. And I put exclamation point. Okay. Now that you've guillotined them a few times, you've submitted them a few times, whatever I just talked about, don't start shooting yet. Okay, it's not time to shoot yet. Don't shoot yet. Okay, um, their sprawl is still probably faster than your shot. Their sprawl is still probably better than your shot. And now, now that you've when every time they shot, you guillotined them. Now you shoot on them. Their sprawl is better than your shot because you're you know you're a blue belt. You've been training two years. You haven't been shooting that long really. Um, they're gonna sprawl on you. And they, you know, guillotine's not the most complicated move in the world, and you just did it to them several times, and they, it might not be the most, like, technical guillotine uh, or front headlock series, but they're, now you're giving them an opportunity to, to have a taste of your own medicine. So don't shoot. Your shot is not as good as their sprawl. Don't shoot. Don't do it. Don't, like, don't do the same mistake that they just did on you. Don't do that. Um, yeah, because they're going to make you pay for it because you just, you just submitted them a handful of times. So don't shoot. Not yet. Not yet. We are. We, we will shoot later on, but not yet. Uh, yeah, my next note. Uh, wrestler sprawls are probably better than your shot. Uh, you just started. Yeah, you just started to stress them out. Why would you let them go back to their comfort zone? So you just submitted them you know, several times with them attacking. You, you stressed them out. You're messing them up with their, you know, using one of their best weapons against them. Um, so don't go back to why would you go back to their comfort zone? And what I mean by comfort zone is you shoot. Now they're like, sweet, now I get to wrestle again. Now I'm sprawling on you, and now I've got you in a front headlock. And even if I don't know a really good Darce or a really good Anaconda or a Japanese necktie or a guillotine, even if I don't know these moves, um, it's, it's I'm at least I'm somewhere I'm comfortable. And front headlock's a really uh, valuable position. You can really, really fatigue people from it. 
and wear them out, even if you don't get the submission. Uh, so, but the biggest thing is don't let them go back to their comfort zone yet, okay? The analogy earlier, like we we're talking about the wrestler and the striker, like if, if people are not in their comfort zone, they burn energy faster. They're, they're working in some, and they're working in a stance that they're not as efficient in. They're, uh, maybe frustrated, um, and now their confidence has dropped. So all of those are all going to start like having a synergistic effect on dropping their, their conditioning faster than it normally does. Um, so don't go back to the comfort zone. They're going to recharge their battery and they're going to beat up your neck at it while they're at it. Don't shoot yet. Um, now we want to begin, uh, jujitsu paced hand fighting. Uh, so the difference between jujitsu paced hand fighting and, uh, wrestling paced hand fighting. If you watch Olympic wrestling or college wrestling or high school wrestling, uh, wrestling hand fighting is much more explosive and much faster paced. Um, but the stalling calls are the reason why is because the stalling calls are much faster in wrestling. You have to attack much, much faster. You're forced. It's kind of like two pit bulls that are like forced to fight each other, like just force, forced to go at each other. Um, and also, um, there's not as many ways to win in wrestling as there are in jujitsu. So wrestling, you can win by pin, you can win by points, you can win by uh, tech fall. Like, uh, see, so yeah, the podcast an hour and a half long, I, and I didn't write the. I'm going off my notes, so hopefully I'm not missing something. If I'm missing something. Let's see, uh, pin, tech fall, points, right? Uh, not 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 including like um, injury or disqualification. Jujitsu, you can win by points um there's no tech fall and you can win by submission for a pin so you got points and submission wrestling's got pin tech fall points so you're like oh there's three three ways to win a pin is your shoulders flat on the mat for one second boom a pin okay that's one that's one way to, you can, there's only one way to pin. It's like, that's it. There's one way to pin. You can tech fall or you can win points. Jiu-Jitsu, you can win by points. Uh, you, you also have ref decision. Ref decision, um, we could add that one too. Uh, points, ref decision, but we also, but we have submission, okay? But with submission versus a pin, a pin, the shoulders go flat for one second. A submission in Jiu-Jitsu you can submit the foot, the ankle, the knee, the hip, the spine, the, the mid-back, the rib cage, the neck, the wrist, the elbow, the shoulder. So there's submission is not a pin for wrestling, for folk style, is pinning the shoulders flat to get a pin. So one target area, that's it. Jiu-Jitsu, and obviously there's not only one way to pin somebody. There's hundreds, thousands of combinations to pin somebody. But Jiu-Jitsu, the same thing. Think of all those body parts that just went over, and there's hundreds and thousands of ways to get to those routes. So there's there's more options. So with that being said, there's more ways. There's more ways to win. There's also more ways to lose. And there's more ways to lose. You need to be. You need to not be as explosive and as sporadic or as fast because there are more landmines you could step on, okay? Wrestling, you can afford to hand fight at a faster pace because there's shorter periods, the matches are shorter, the stalling calls are faster, 
and there's less ways to lose. So wrestling, hand fighting is done at that pace for that reason, okay? And MMA takedowns are completely, they're their own set. They're different than wrestling. They're different than jiu-jitsu. But jiu-jitsu hand fighting is more similar to uh, almost like a long, like a sp- wrestling's like a, a sprinting pace, and jujitsu has more close, more close, more close to like a, a running a two mile pace. It's not, it's not a hundred mile like super super slow pace, but it's closer to that pace. So you uh, you want to begin with uh, jujitsu style hand fighting, uh, which is going to be focusing on being heavy on the head and neck pulling down the head and neck to fatigue the back and neck because the matches are longer and fatigue your opponent's stance and potentially open up a tack on the neck where you can get an advantage or you can get a finish or a point depending on the rule set. You're going to focus more on isometric uh, grips, uh, isometric squeeze uh, strength when you're gripping. Uh, Wrestling is uh, still strong, still strong at isometric uh, strength, but it has more... Uh, quick snaps and misdirections again shorter shorter periods and the shorter matches and less ways to lose um, and more of an emphasis on winning by points um, uh, you know there's plenty of great wrestling matches where there's not there's not a pin and nobody says oh that was a terrible match there wasn't a pin it just means it's really good but in jiu-jitsu really good matches people still want a submission <coughs> they're usually not happy with uh, just points um, so the pacing is different. Um, uh, so examples, if you come to class, uh, sliding collar ties would be an option. The, 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 the drags, uh, drags that we work on. Oh, sorry. One second. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So, uh, sliding collar ties, drags, um, you can add in some little fake level changes, um, and some snap downs to, to the head and neck. You know, they're, they're probably going to be standing more upright, but you still want to use a sliding collar ties, snap down on the head and neck. Um, to, to make them have to worry about something. Um, then next we want to, uh, start using low risk, low percentage attacks. Those would be, uh, drags, slide buys, foot sweeps, snap downs. Okay. And if you don't know those, uh, come to class and, uh, I'll work on, we work on those in class for this reason. Um, if they work, then continue on. If, you know, if any of those that I just mentioned, any of the drag, slide by, foot sweep, snap downs, if any of those work, then continue on and submit or take them down with that technique. If they don't, then go back to jiu-jitsu paced hand fighting and keep on sprinkling in your low risk, low percentage attacks. Okay. So you're making the wrestler actually worry about something now. They're already worried about the guillotine, but now you're making them worry about your attacks. And you're making them worry about low-risk attacks, okay? They're low percentage, but they're low risk. So again, you're not letting them put you in a front headlock. You're not letting them sprawl on you and carry a whole bunch of your weight. And you're not letting them counter uh, the, the advantage of doing low-risk attacks is they're low risk. So it's harder for them to counter you. The downside is they're low percentage, but it's okay. We're doing a jiu-jitsu match. We're not doing a wrestling match with short periods. We have time to work. We'll increase the pacing as it gets closer to the end of the match. We'll increase the pacing when we get an opening when they make a mistake. But you want to be at a like a consistent, like workmanlike pace, not a sprint, not a, fr- a frantic sprint when you're doing a jiu-jitsu match. Um, next point. Okay. 
at this point, uh, you may notice uh, that they're starting to fatigue. Um, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, from them using... They're, so they're probably going to still use wrestling-style hand pace or, or hand fighting pacing. When they do that, don't play the game, okay? Don't play their game. Play at your the jiu-jitsu hand fighting pace, okay? Uh, don't try to copy them. They're better at that. That's what they're used to. They're better at it. They're going to fatigue not as fast, and they're not going to make mistakes. You're going to fatigue faster because you're not efficient because you're not as good at it, and you're going to make a mistake. So don't copy them when they do it. Just let them keep on doing it, right? Um, and you keep doing the jiu-jitsu uh, hand fighting pace. Um, uh, yeah, so you might notice at this point they're starting to get fatigued from them using uh, the, the, the low stance potentially, you using the sliding collar ties, etc., all the things we talked about, all your setups, and then them using a wrestling-paced hand fighting. Um, uh, yeah, so... Um, you'll start to notice and that they're going to be fatigued, you know, from using all the stuff we talked about before. Um, now, now what you want to do is you want to uh, begin increasing your level of uh, feints to the legs, level changes to the legs and feints to the legs, okay? So before you, you're using uh, the drag, slide by foot sweeps, snap downs, lower percentage, low wrist things, um, uh, that's what you were using before. And if it worked awesome, we would take it. Now what we're going to do is now we're going to start threatening the legs. Once we notice that our opponent starts fatiguing or uh, fatiguing, then we're going to start threatening for the legs. But the reason why is because they're a wrestler, they're trained, their reflexes are really good. They're trained. It's hard for them not to bite on a good on a level change to a single or a level change to a double. It's hard. It's trained. It's They've trained for years. They've trained 10,000, 15,000 hours to do it. So use this against them. Um, fake to the single leg, fake to the double leg. It's going to be hard for their central nervous system, their highly trained reflexes, not to defend it. And again, I say faint, fake it, okay? They're starting to fatigue. Now we want to really pour them all, all over and really make them tired. So um, so yeah, we're going to, um, that's going to, every time they their reflexes get triggered, every time they defend, that's costing them more energy. Okay, so we're, we're stacking up these, these damage over time effects, these dot effects for the video game nerds out there. Um, yeah, we're stacking up these uh, dot effects on our opponents, on our opponent. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, also when you're doing this series, be prepared for them when they get fatigued or frustrated to shoot, you know, a really hard sink, to take a hard shot. And if they do, then, you know, be on the neck, attack it. Of course, always be ready that, you know, when people start, when people like start getting tired or frustrated, like a threatened animal um, or a wound cornered animal, they're going to, you know, they're coming hard. So you just be prepared for it while you're doing this. They're, they're going to, they're going to go hard when they get close to their breaking point. Um, and it's their last, once they see like, Hey, I'm down at 10% gas tank, 20% gas tank. I got to go now. Cause if I don't go, it's not going to work. And I'm, then I'm going to be tired. I'm, I'm getting tired faster than this guy's getting tired. Um, so just be prepared for that. Um, da, 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 da. yeah. Okay. Now the next point, what you do next, uh, when you do, um, let's see, when you do choose to mount offense, I would suggest a level change single leg. Slide by, arm drags, foot sweep, front headlock takedown series, okay? So before you were already doing the slide by, the arm drags, foot sweep, the front headlock takedown series, now 
put more emphasis on it. Once you see that they're starting to wear down or they're getting frustrated, a combination of both, now we want to we want to spend more in, more of our energy on it. Once we start seeing that they start declining, we want to spend more energy so that we can score our takedown or score a submission. The reason why I suggest a level chain single leg is uh, it's going to be harder for them to sprawl and get on top of you. Um, level chain single leg, you don't touch your knee to the mat. You just you just level chain in that more upright stance. So you don't got to drop your knee all the way to the mat. You can just scoop up that single pretty quick, and then you work your your single leg series from there. And you could you know you could transition from the single leg straight to a chest to chest and upper body series if you wanted to. If you're more if you prefer upper body takedowns more, and again, there's a weakness of folk style wrestlers oftentimes where the upper body's not as developed as their low stance. So maybe that'd be a smart way. They're used to defending single legs. Um, you could switch to an upper body uh, attack. Of course, if they do correct go in the off season, they're going to be comfortable there too. But you know, it's just, just part of the game. But you should be working on your upper body takedowns as well. Um, and your single legs, um, but single legs, you know, if, if they escape it or they get out, you're not stuck in a front headlock and they're not trying to guillotine you or they're not wearing down on top of you getting to recover. Um, that's why I would suggest a single leg over a, a double leg. I'm not saying that you can't double leg, but if you do go over a double leg, um, don't try to blast through them. Instead, shoot a double leg, lock your hands behind the knee pits and then rotate so that you cross up their feet. Um, don't try to, you know, wrestlers are pretty strong and explosive. Don't try to Jordan Burroughs them. Um, uh, again, you're playing. You're playing by their what they're comfortable and what they're good at. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, okay. Then the next next thing. Uh, this is uh, if slash when you uh, get taken down, don't concede to guard. This is really important. Use submissions, sweeps, and stand ups and wrestle ups. So there, those are different things. Use submissions, sweeps, stand ups and wrestle-ups to make them spend more energy on securing the takedown, okay? When you scramble there, you could submit them, you could sweep them, you could just stand up, you could wrestle up and, and win any of those. But say you attempt all those, and when you attempt all those, it costs them a ton of energy. Takedowns are the most fatiguing part of combat sports. And in wrestling, oftentimes because wrestlers don't want to get pinned and they don't want to get back exposure points, and the, the score get racked up, lots of times wrestlers concede. Once they know they're getting taken down, they, they concede to a chest down, like a referee's position. Uh, for this is, you know, Greco, freestyle, and folk style. So lots of times wrestlers will actually sometimes be easier to take down than um, jiu-jitsu guys do the same thing. They'll just concede to a guard. The grapplers will be easier to take down sometimes than strikers. So this is a lesson that we can learn from strikers. Strikers are really good at doing this. Because they don't play by the wrestling go-to-referee's position or the jiu-jitsu go-to-guard position rules, they oftentimes are actually pretty tough to take down. Like strikers have actually developed a lot on takedown defense and, and a lot in this field because they don't want to go to referee's position and they don't want to go to guard. So, you know, don't just concede to guard. You're, you're giving them a – you're doing them a big favor, okay? Instead, use all of those techniques that I just mentioned – the use your submissions, your sweep, your wrestle up, and your stand ups to make them earn the takedown. Okay, so even if they get in and you do this, they spent way more energy. And if you if you make them spend that energy, it's going to be easier for you to wrestle up on them, sweep them, or submit them, or take them out later on in the match. All these are going to be easier to do because you didn't just concede it easily. Okay, um, yeah, it'll make it yeah easier later in the match. 
Um, uh, also, you got to remember, if a submission is locked in, uh, it's not scored a takedown, okay? Use this mechanic. It's really important, okay? For a takedown, they have to take you down, depending on the rule set, for IBJJF and um, ADCC, they have to take you down and be on top for three seconds. There's differences in the rules depending on which one of those you're doing, but they have to take you down and be on top for three seconds, okay? Um, that's not an easy thing to do if the person doesn't just concede it, okay? And it costs way more energy if they don't just concede it. So remember this. And if somebody shoots in on you, a single leg, double leg, and they put you to your butt, lock the guillotine, lock your front headlock series. It's not a takedown until they clear that submission threat. You might land the submission. Or you might use a butterfly guard to, to lift them, and then you build back up to your feet. Now they spent all that energy, and they got zero points for it, and they got nothing for it. And you didn't have to spend as much energy counter using your guillotine and your butterfly guard to, to build back up, or you heist up to a knee and then build up. Junaid did this great in his MMA fight, his MMA debut. He did this, uh, he had a couple times where he did this great, where he just didn't concede to guard. Um, yeah, and he, he gave the guy fits. Um, yeah, really paid off for Junaid. He did really well in, in that fight, doing that, uh, using that. Um, but this is really important. Sorry, I'm starting to get more tired because we're getting close to two hours on this podcast, and I think it took me about an hour just to do the notes. So I'm getting less enthusiastic, but don't. Um, but even though I'm not enthusiastic, I'm not being loud because I'm getting tired. My co- coffee's wearing off. Um, don't let that just slide by. You got to use this mechanic. Okay, don't just uh, use submissions. Okay, use submissions to to not give them the takedown. Okay. Then use the submission to stand back up or use the submission to sweep or wrestle up um, or use the submission transition to another submission. Um, Oh, my my last tip or another tip. I got more stuff, but another side tip on this. Um, Don't chase wrestlers, okay? Wrestlers are very good at using boundaries, time, and score to win. What I mean by this is this would be over from – this would – play a part from standing position and on the ground. Don't chase after a wrestler, okay? If you chase after a wrestler, um, they're, you know, say they're they're backing away from you. If you chase after them on the feet, they could time it so that they're, they level change and get a really good double. And when they shoot the double, they guide you to side control. And then they're, you know, they get a takedown in side control. Don't chase them, okay? You want to have a, you want to have a, a consistent, uh, steady pressure, but don't chase, Okay. Um, on the ground, you would do the same thing. Say you're in seated guard, okay, and you're you go in on a wrestler, and um, you're going against a college wrestler, and you go get in on a leg entry, you start attacking a, with a leg lock, and they just flee the mat. They turn and jump away from you. Don't chase after them. Just you know, take your time, butt scoot towards them. They have to engage you, okay. If they keep jumping away, they're going to lose the decision on the judges. But for like ADCC and most jujitsu tournaments, they're going to get penalized. They can't take multiple steps away from you. They have to engage. They have to fight you. But if they don't know how to fight you, if they don't know how to actually pass your guard or do leg locks or count a leg lock, they're going to jump away. It's what wrestlers do all the time. Don't chase. If you chase, then maybe they hit like a quick knee cut on you or put you in a front headlock and get a pass. Don't chase. If you're in the center, keep the center. Like gradual, like, you know, just steady uh, butt scooting towards them or the same thing with takedowns, but don't chase. You are the target. They have to fight you. They signed a tournament saying that they're going to grapple you. They're going to fight you. They didn't, you know, just like a boxing bout, they didn't sign up for a boxing bout and they're just going to run from corner to corner. 
They have to fight you. If not, they're going to get penalized. They're going to lose the decision or they're going to get disqualified. They have to fight you. Just like wrestling, you can't just run out of bounds. You're going to get penalized if you back away constantly. You run out of bounds when you're doing takedowns. Um, yeah, they have to fight you. And lots of wrestlers have a hard time with that transition in jiu-jitsu because they, what they do is they don't – the ones that really do jiu-jitsu have no problem with it. But it's the college wrestlers especially that choose to just basically try to learn anti-jiu-jitsu – it's why they don't win at a high level. Uh, Nicky Rod, the reason why he can win at a high level is because he's a good, he's a wrestler and he's a college level wrestler, um, but he fully immersed in a jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, if they uh, if they don't engage you, uh, they're going to get penalized for filling the mat, stalling, passivity. Uh, they have to fight you, just like uh, don't chase after them the same way that like you wouldn't chase after a counterpuncher. Don't chase after a counterpuncher. Um, that's what they're comfortable doing is backing away and circling and punching you when you rush in. Instead, if you got somebody's trying to counterpunch you, go to the center of the ring and make them come to you. Okay. Like don't, don't just chase, don't play the, the game they want you to play. Um, um, so yeah, so that was a jujitsu strategy for, uh, how to beat a wrestler and stand in position, uh, and not just relying on pulling guard. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something, uh, for it, uh, from this, um, it wore me out. My caffeine is, is low now. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you got something for it, uh, for all the people that actually listened to a two hour podcast on how to beat, uh, a wrestler, uh, with a jiu-jitsu strategy, staying in position, uh, kudos for doing that. You, you definitely love jiu-jitsu if, uh, if you just sat through that. So, um, the other thing I'll say with this, it takes time to develop this. Okay. So just know it's not going to happen in weeks or months. It's going to be, I mean, it'll be on a months and years time span as opposed to a week or month. Um, but it is going to gradually get better. Just like lifting weights, you gradually get stronger and stronger over time. So just know it's going to take time. Other thing, you got to keep perspective. You know, if a person has wrestled in college, you know, they've probably wrestled from anywhere to four to 10 plus years. And they've been doing takedowns five days a week for two hours a day. You know, jujitsu, um, you know, or maybe six days a week. And they've had hundreds of matches, hundreds of matches if they wrestled middle school, high school, college. Um, so you got to understand that, that there's a, you know, they have 10, 15, 20,000 hours in the sport. And, um, it's kind of like a weird flex when I see like college wrestlers will brag about beating jujitsu blue belts. And it's like, man, you can just crunch the numbers. Like lots of jujitsu blue belts train two to four days a week and they do an, a class that's like an hour and 15 minutes, two to four times a week. And they've been training for two years, two and a half years. You've trained four, four to uh, four to like 12 years of on the mat grappling. And you did five days a week with hundreds of matches, and you're doing longer practices, um, you know, whatever. I mean, you earned it, but it's just funny. It's like, yeah, the, now, look, like, uh, just a more even thing, a more, if you're talking about just hours on mat, would be a college wrestler, say a 22-year-old college wrestler um, that's like, hey, you know, I'm, I can beat jiu-jitsu guys. It's like, okay, then beat a 22-year-old uh, black belt jiu-jitsu who specializes in nogi. You know, beat a, a Kolobate or a Mika Koval. But yeah, Kolobate. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's done jujitsu as, as many years as you've you done wrestling. And um, yeah, specialized in nogi, really good at nogi. So um, yeah, rest, college wrestlers do that. They'll like pat themselves on the back for shooting fish in a barrel. It's like, dude, this is, yeah, no. Uh, 
Not the case, um, but I'm not trying, just so you know, I'm not trying to say high school or college wrestlers. I'm not trying to give them bad rap because we have plenty of high school and college wrestlers that are great guys. Just some of them are, some of them are douchebags and are rude, but you know, that's just a personal problem. We got plenty of high school and college wrestlers that are great guys. Um, I started with wrestling. I love the sport of wrestling. Um, but you know, you got, you got douchebags in, in all sports and all walks of life. Um, yeah, but I do still think it's kind of a weird. It's a kind of a weird flex. It's like, man, yeah, you, you're, yeah, it's a weird flex uh, to brag about or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, you're bragging about beating the blue belts when you've been on the mats for ten years. They've been on the blue, mats for two years, but uh, they're not bragging about beating our blue belts. Uh, they're really not because our our blue belts submit and take down high school and college wrestlers. So. Uh, I kind of cringe when I see the memes. They're like jujitsu memes that float around. Jujitsu guys are like scared, like being betas uh, um, against wrestlers. Like, oh, when the wrestler comes in, like, oh no, it's like, man, like, what, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, I understand it's just comedy, it's just a joke or whatever, but yeah, it's funny. Uh, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, like tearing yourself down, uh, making you know. Anyway, self-deprecating is one thing, but uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, if any, uh, wrestlers from other teams are like, hey, you know, you know, I don't like what you just said, like, okay, cool, like, sign up for a tournament, and you can go against, uh, you know, one of our blue belts, or purple belts, or black belts, or white belts, whatever you want, um, or, you know, how about just, just sign up at ADCC and go against, uh, a blue belt, uh, those blue belts that the ADCC opens, and the ADCC, um, trials are not going to be, uh, the blue belts that, that were around when I first started. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's the end of the podcast and, um, yeah, things that we got coming up. So, uh, coming up, uh, uh, one thing we have is a uh, cool, we got a UFC, uh, uh, party. We're doing it at our house. It's uh, July 29th. That's like a awesome fight card. Um, my head's spinning right now, so I don't have it memorized, but it's a really cool fight card. So if you'd like to come, just shoot me a text or DM, uh, you know, my daughter and uh, some friends are going to bring their kids over as well. So it's family friendly, uh, kids are, my daughter's three and a half. So kids are perfectly fine to come. Kids are welcome. It's going to be a family friendly thing. If you want to bring beer, you want to bring drinks and have some drinks, of course, that's, it's friendly too. I'm not like uh, not super prude where you, you know, I'm offended if you drink in front of my daughter or something like that. Um, uh, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, if you're gonna, don't try not to drink so much as you throw up, but if you do make it to a toilet, but, uh, but you know, hopefully don't, you know, don't just binge drink, but, uh, yeah, of course, have some drinks, have a good time, come over for the UFC. Um, I'm going, yes, July 29th, uh, I'm going to host it at our house. Uh, the, I'm going to, if, uh, if you're a sm- cigar smoker, I've recently got into cigars. So on my Saturday night, I, I like to enjoy cigar. Um, so I'm going to do my, turn my back patio into the cigar lounge will be the cigar lounge for the UFC party. Um, so we're going to get a TV that we can mount on the outside. So we'll have the TV in the living room going with the fights and then we'll have cigar lounge on the back, uh, with like the, the fire, fire pit going and the TV going, um, cigars are welcome. Cigarettes are not welcome. I am, uh, I will, you know, that one, I will say, Hey, cigarettes are not welcome. If you want to bring a cigar, bring a cigar, hang out, watch the fights. We'll have some cornhole in the backyard too. One of the fights are going, and uh, but yeah, cigarettes are not welcome. <laughs> I, I hate cigarettes. Um, if you if you smoke cigarettes, I don't hate you. I just hate the cigarettes. Um, and I know I can be a hypocrite because I'm saying I, I like cigars, but I don't like cigarettes. But 
But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. If you if you like cigars, bring a cigar. Uh, hang out the cigar lounge, uh, or if you don't like cigars, we'll have it in the living room so you don't have to smell that nasty smoke. Um, and uh, yeah, have cornhole, and we'll get pizza and probably like grill out and stuff like that, food, whatever, all that good stuff. Uh, last one we had was for Xavier's birthday party. I think we probably had like you know. Hmm, 20 to 35 people come it was a ton of fun no no problems everybody everybody had a great time it was uh, really good fun stuff we talked about like fighting wild animals and what type of big cat um tanner could uh defeat in a one-on-one combat um so yeah hopefully we'll uh the next one well we should have as much fun and uh yeah if you're listening to this you made it you're invited just uh shoot me a text or send me a dm uh if you're a member at the gym you know you're invited just uh you know uh, like i said kids are welcome of course no problem uh um you know if you want to bring kid or wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend of course welcome uh, you know, if, uh, if you're okay to come and you're at the gym, I'm assuming you're good people. We don't let, uh, not good people be around. So, um, uh, I will say the, the, uh, the cigarettes, you know, not cool, but, uh, not, I love dogs, but we can't, I, we had one person ask about a uh, dog, bringing a dog. Um, and it's, I have no, I love dogs, nothing against dogs. I just have my little Yorkie, my little dude. He freaks out if other dogs come. And uh, I think it's his house. So I just don't want to be mean to him and have to lock him up in a room and, uh, have him freaking out and, and let another dog come into his house. I know he's going to be, he'd feel bad. So a little Chewbacca, but, uh, but yeah, if you want to come, you're definitely invited. And, uh, events we got coming up, we got ADCC Arizona coming up. That's eight. That's August 5th. We got Aries August 4th. LA Kim's fighting on that. It's in Nashville for all of our kickboxers. We got the PKB tournament. That's August 27th. And if you want to register the posters on the front desk with the website, everything September 1st, we got a Gogi MMA show that's in Nashville as well. On that, we have Anne Marie Sharp fighting, Xavier Cox fighting and Brandon Valentine fighting. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, this episode. If you got all the way through it, I hope, uh, I hope it was worth your time. Thanks for listening. See you. See you.